Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. And I remember her telling me, just do it for someone else down the road. And I took that very literally. And I went home that day and I Googled how to support women. That was my starting point. And that's how I started. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Giafferle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail, do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Finding our sense of why and purpose is the most vital component to I think everything, especially being an entrepreneur, if we don't know why we're doing what we're doing, it just creates this feeling of feeling lost or exhausted, you know? And one of my friends, I'm sure she got it from somewhere else, it said that essentially burnout happens when reality doesn't meet expectations. And I think that that's really true. I think when we put, you know, so many expectations on ourselves and we think we should be somewhere, we should have something and those things aren't yet there and we don't yet have them that we feel like something's wrong and then we're really upset and then we get all flustered and burnt out or, you know, all these different emotions. When if we just understood like our stories are one big picture and to just have this underlying sense of like purpose and why and I ideally would would love in all of us for that to be a greater sense of good it really makes a tremendous difference there's this book I read I've probably talked about it in a podcast many times before 
called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, and he talks about how he survived the Holocaust and that he survived it by living for a reason beyond himself. And I just think that that's so beautiful. It really moves me. A combination of that and The Alchemist, another book I read really early on in my life about how the whole world conspires to bring your dreams to reality if you lead from a place of heart. A combination of that. I think that's what makes life magical is when it becomes about creating connectivity, positively impacting others, healing This is the secret sauce to life. And the times that we end up feeling empty or isolated and all these other things is when we're not serving those greater goods. Anyway, me being all grandiose. uh, You guys enjoy the next episode. to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited to be here with our next guest, Elizabeth. She's here with me in Los Angeles. Hello. Hi. Happy to be here today. So Elizabeth, to kick things off, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure thing. So I'm Elizabeth. I am the head of community at Grid 110, which is a startup accelerator here in Los Angeles. And I'm also the managing director um, at Girls in Tech Los Angeles, which is a nonprofit focused on supporting women in technology and entrepreneurship. And Grid 110, where you lead community now, is such an important part of the Los Angeles tech ecosystem. Tell us about Grid 110 and what attracted you to be part of the team. Yes. So I absolutely love everything about Grid 110, the team, the work that we do. Um, So for those who are not familiar with Grid 110, we are a startup accelerator and nonprofit organization here in Los Angeles. A startup accelerator accelerates companies. So we work with early stage entrepreneurs, small business owners, and help them get to the next stage. So entrepreneurship can be a very lonely um, and overwhelming journey, especially for first time entrepreneurs or solo entrepreneurs. So what we do at Grid 110 is we provide a curriculum for three months um, that founders can go through to help them help them accelerate their business and help them get to the next stage, whether that's funding related, um, hiring related, or just taking that next big step. And what drew me to Grid 110, so I joined the team back in 2019, but I had known about Grid 110 years before that and was a big fan and advocate and volunteered for some of their events. And what drew me was was so many things. I mean, number one, the team is a- incredible. If you've had the chance to work um, with Mickey, um, who is the CEO um, of Grid 110, and the rest of the team, but the impact that they're truly making in the LA tech and startup uh, community is absolutely incredible. The diversity of founders that they work with is also what drew me um, into the role and what's made my job, my favorite job that I've had so far. I mean, Mickey Reynolds has had the most extraordinary impact on the Los Angeles tech community. She is the most authentic community builder. I don't think Mickey community builds to build a network. I think she community builds because she cares and to serve. And that is just such a gem of a human being. And so, of course, we're all attracted to Grid 110. She's an extraordinary leader. Yeah. (laughs) 
She's incredible. What does leading community, your role at Grid 110, look like on a day-to-day? On a practical level, what that looks like is taking a lot of calls with founders and helping them through the nitty-gritty of entrepreneurship. Sometimes that means helping them prioritize their workload or answering questions about hiring, building a culture. On a larger level, though, what I'm really passionate about in my role is when it comes to building community, inclusion is important to me. I know there's a lot of talk, especially in the tech community, about diversity and inclusion. And I think there's been more and more of an emphasis on the diversity part where companies are actively trying to get more diverse talent. But unfortunately, I feel like some of the inclusion part is missing, where once you do have that talent or once you do have a diverse community, how do you build a safe environment for people to actually flourish? So at Good 110, I think a lot about okay, we have a very diverse community, but what are the things that we can do to help them feel safe, to help them feel welcomed? It's little things and it's little touches being very much aware of, I'll give an example. Um, If we have a lot of parent entrepreneurs, you know, one season, being aware of when we provide a lot of workshops or events and the times that we offer them because they might overlap with when they have to pick up their kids from school or bring them to bed. So it's just being aware and having empathy with the things that you plan and put out. Walk us through Grid 110. Who should be applying and what do we need to do to apply? How can it help us? Where do we need to be in our journey? The best place to go to learn more is our website, which is www.grid110.org. You can also check us out on any of our social media channels like Instagram or Twitter. It's just at grid110. So Grid 110 is industry agnostic, which means that we work with all industries across the board. So whether you are focused on e-commerce or you're a lifestyle brand or you're even a nonprofit yourself, we work with all those companies or you're a brick and mortar company. I think sometimes people assume that accelerators only focus on tech companies or highly scalable companies like the next Facebook, which most accelerators do, but Grid 110 is very unique in that way and that we work with everyone. And in terms of stage, we have different programs that we've offered throughout the year. So I would just check on our website to see what um, what programs are open for application at that point. Right now, our applications are closed, but they will open up later this year. And if you're an early stage company, if you, again, open to all industries, we work with a lot of solo founders and first-time founders, but that is definitely not an acquirement or a must. We also worked with companies who have multiple teams. So it just depends on what um, program is available at that time. In the past, we've had a program dedicated to very early stages, um, which is called I2P, Idea to Product, where we've worked with company as early as those who are in the idea stage and helping them build a prototype. And then we also have a second program called the residency program, which is for companies who are still early stage, but further along. So they typically have a built out team. They're looking to raise and build out their culture. Does Grid 110 give you money or how does that work? So we don't give money, but we provide a curriculum of resources. So we have a program that's three months long. 
that you go through with 19 other entrepreneurs. So typically we pick 20 companies for a cohort that we work with at one time. And then each week you go through different lessons and workshops that are highly interactive. You get to interact with your cohort members, with our team, with our EIRs who are experts in residence. Entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs. in residence. Yeah, yeah. entrepreneurs oh, in experts. residence. Oh, experts. Yeah. Nice. Um, I don't know if I just made that up. I might have. Um, <laughs> and does it cost anything to be a part of Grid 110? No, the best part is that it's, completely free of charge. It's completely free for founders to participate. And so really any founder should apply um, for the chance to be part of our community and our cohort. We also don't take any equity. So um, sometimes accelerators will take about 10%, around 10% equity of your company. We don't take any equity. We don't charge anything. So it's really an amazing opportunity for entrepreneurs. And how is Grid 110 sustained? Like, how is it able to give all this pro bono help to the community? I get that question a lot of how do you have a job? How are you able to do this work? Also, why? Um, why do you do this if you're, you know, quote unquote, not getting anything out of it? Um, I would have to say we or our team gets a lot out of it. Um, just helping our founders get to the next stage is incredibly fulfilling work. But on a practical note, we have a lot of generous donors because we, we are a nonprofit at the end of the day. And then we also function through a grant that we have with the city of L.A. So cool. Very exciting. Tell me about your involvement in Girls in Tech. Do you run the Girls in Tech L.A. chapter? Tell me more about that. How did you discover Girls in Tech? I've been involved with Girls in Tech for the last, I think it's been three years at this point. And when I first moved to L.A., I attended a bunch of events just to grow my network and make friends here. And I attended an event by the Girls in Tech team at the time. And at the time, I had attended a ton of networking events and happy hours. And this event hosted by the Girls in Tech team was so different. Even just walking into the room, the atmosphere was so welcoming. And I could walk up to anyone, really, and they wanted to talk to me and they welcomed me into their group. Um, it was mainly women who were really excited to just be there and learn with each other. And I remember being so amazed by the community and environment that they had created that I went up to the managing director at the time and asked how I could get involved. So I just said, I really love what you're doing. I, I want to help out with this. How can I how can I contribute to this? And so I actually started out as a volunteer in the early stages of Girls in Tech. Um, so on the weekends or for any events that they did, I would help out with anything that they needed help with, whether that's handing out flyers or welcoming people to the event venue. And after a couple of months um, of doing that, I think about half a year later, I got offered a board position with the team in LA. And that was three years ago. Full circle, um, I'm now the managing director of Girls in Tech LA. We have a team of six incredible women. Pretty uh, interesting and, and fun to think about um, how the organization has come a really long way, but also myself and growing um, in that role. But Girls in Tech has been an incredible organization for myself, which is why I'm such a huge advocate for people getting involved with things outside of their work. As I mentioned, we have a team of six. What we do is we provide resources, events, workshops for women in tech in Los Angeles. 
So right now, because of the pandemic, um, we've had to do things virtually. So we have a Instagram live series that's happening where we feature different women and their career path. So I think last week we had um, someone from Amazon come in and share how she got her position. But on a larger scale, our LA team is part of a larger nonprofit. So Girls in Tech has over 50 different chapters worldwide, ranging from Paris to Germany to Dublin. So LA is just one of the many chapters. And how do we get involved with Girls in Tech? Where do we go? So you can find us on Instagram at Girls in Tech LA. That is probably the easiest way. If you have any questions or are looking to ways to get involved, you can always DM us and our team will get back to you. We are super excited to host more events and provide resources as things are opening up this year as well. How do you energetically refuel yourself? I mean, one of the things about being a community lead is it's pretty taxing. So what do you do to re-energize and refuel so that you could continue to serve and serve at a high level? I'm so glad you're asking this question because this is something it's from that personal pain <laughs> needs to be needs to be talked about more often. So I'll share something very embarrassing, which is that in in the early stages of my career, I rarely ever took time off. Rarely. And that uh, things have changed quite a bit since then, but I I would say the the number one thing is just take time off. Take time off when you can, go see your family, prioritize your hobbies outside of work if you have the ability to take your PTO if that's offered. Um, But that's definitely the biggest thing is prioritizing my own health. What I also realized while working in Kirtan is that I'm setting an example to founders. So when I'm talking to founders and I'm giving them advice and I'm telling them to take care of themselves and I'm telling them to prioritize themselves, if I'm not doing those things, then it's harder for them to believe in those things um, either. So I think that's that's the easiest thing that anyone can do time off. And I, I think this is a piece of advice that could be relevant for anyone who's a founder, but also anyone who's a professional in tech, is to find something outside of work. So I'm a big proponent of getting involved in professional organizations. So whether that is Girls in Tech for me, I've also been involved with other organizations and nonprofits in the past, um, like All Race um, or Lean In. Um, I would find opportunities outside of work that are going to grow you and find nonprofits that are either in the humanitarian space or professional organizations to get plugged in. It will not only help you to grow your network, but it will also help you to grow as a leader. While I'm fortunate that I work at an amazing company at Good 110 with an incredible team, not everyone has that opportunity. So you don't want to fully rely on your full-time job or on your nine-to-five job to provide you with those leadership opportunities. You should really be seeking them out outside of work as well. And when did you first become interested in technology? So for me, my journey started right out of college. And it wasn't necessarily focused on technology. It actually was a problem that I was trying to solve. So as a young professional, I was looking to broaden my network. A lot of my friends were either still in college or they were way ahead in their career. So I was looking to meet people who were in this new stage of life of starting their career. And... I I was trying to find different platforms and different resources, and I came across an app, 
which is still around, and it's called um, Vina. Vina, V-I-N-A. V-I-N-A. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it was advertised as like a Tinder for platonic girlfriends. So I was curious. I just wanted to test it out. So you swipe on different people. I mean, why not? So I ended up matching with a couple of girls and decided to meet up with them. One of them, um, I decided to meet up for, for just a quick dinner, just to meet in person. And we ended up spending... I think it was six hours together. We ended up going to a museum together afterwards. We ended up getting drinks and just talking until late at night. And that friend is now my best friend, even five years later. So this app introduced me to this person who I would have otherwise never met um, because we have very different interests, very different backgrounds, Um, but we instantly clicked. And the fact that she's been such a big part of my life really made me curious about this app and how could just one single app impact not just my life, but so many other lives and improve lives so I looked more into, into this app and who the founder was, and I quickly found out that it was founded by a woman who was working in tech who had the same problem. She was trying to find friends, make connections, and she was working at a male-dominated company in Silicon Valley. So she created this app based on her problem. And this sounds kind of sad, but up until that point, I had never heard of a female founder. I'd never heard of a woman starting a company or starting an app and and like an app that makes such a big impact. And that's really what catapulted my passion and interest for entrepreneurship and anything tech related. After that, I started listening to all the startup podcasts. I started reading all entrepreneurship um, articles and things that I could find on the internet, all the books. And that's how my passion really started a couple of years ago. And have you had a mentor along your path who has really helped accelerate you? Yes, Mickey Reynolds. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. The one and only. Of course. What would you say is one thing you've learned from her? What's advice that she's given you that's really stuck with you? So a couple of years ago, when I first met Mickey Reynolds, I was very much career oriented. I was not involved in any nonprofits outside of work or professional organizations. I was just very work focused, focused on my own goals, focused on, you know, getting ahead in life. And Mickey was someone who advocated for me since day one of meeting me and has always you know, shared resources with me so generously. And I remember one time asking her why she was being so nice to me. You know, we barely knew each other. I was essentially a stranger and she was so giving, um, whether that was, you know, sharing events with me or taking me as her plus one to certain, you know, big events, introducing me to her network. And I remember her telling me, just do it for someone else down the road. And I took that very literally. And I went home that day and I Googled how to support women. That was my starting point. And uh, that's how I started. So 
I get a lot of comments these days about Elizabeth, you're so involved in so many great organizations that support women and that are really women focused. But honestly, I wouldn't be doing any of those things if it wasn't for Mickey Reynolds, because she's truly one person who impacted my life so much that I felt inspired to give back. And the lesson that she taught me is that one person can change everything for you. It just takes one person. Another lesson that I learned along the way, thanks to her help, is that you're never too young. You're never too young to start. So I always wanted to make an impact in my community and be involved with nonprofits and sit on a board. But I always thought that was something I would do later down in my career when I was successful or when I had reached the ladder. Um, so it was like a five-year goal or a 10-year goal. And I realized through that experience that making an impact doesn't happen overnight. It accumulates over the years. So I started pretty early in my career with getting involved with organizations and trying to make an impact. So yeah. I think it's funny because I hear this thing that typically when people get really wealthy from their companies and they're sitting on their beach, they're actually not very fulfilled because they don't feel that they've been living a very purposeful life. And so it's so important throughout our journey to not just think about, especially in the States, so many Americans think about capitalism, but to really think about impact. Because like, if you had all the money and the wealth and the things in the world, you too may be that person sitting on the beach was like, I have everything, why don't I feel full? And I think impact is the thing that makes us feel full individually. I agree. And is this your first podcast? Yes, it is. So exciting because I'm making <laughs> champion for you to be on the show. And I love being these amazing women's first podcast. My hope is that people will utilize the platform and continue to champion all the women and more that we featured. And so that is just so exciting. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to, to be your first podcast. This is so cool. What's one dream that you have? If you could have any wish, what is that wish? But what's blocking that wish from it not being possible today? I would say one thing that I would like to see happen um, down the road is, this may sound kind of silly, but a couple of years ago, I was scrolling through the Fortune 500 list of CEOs. And I was shocked by, by the number of women or the let's say the lack of women on that list. And that was also a big motivator in, in the type of work that I do now. But I would say if, if I had one wish is living in a world where I can scroll through a list like that and see an equal amount of men and women, seeing people of all communities represented. Because I think one thing that doesn't get talked about enough, unfortunately, is when it comes to diversity in tech or diversity in entrepreneurship, there is more of an increased focus on female founders the last couple of years. There have been a lot more venture capital firms that focus specifically on providing female founders with funding. What is not talked about as much is the demographic within women in that category. So a lot of the funding, a lot of the resources still goes to a lot of white women, while um, women of color are often left out in the conversation. So that is something that I'm particularly passionate about. Okay, so what I find really interesting, 
I'd say almost 100% of the time, if not 100% of the time that I ask that question, every single woman does not actually answer the question. They always answer with an answer of others. But the question is very much, if you had a wish just for you selfishly related to your life, like just you individualized wish, (laughs) what is that wish? And what is blocking you from attaining that? (laughs) And man, does this say a lot about our culture? I know. Oh my goodness. I'm telling you, it's every, I don't think there's been one time. I don't think there has been one time that someone, every single answer has been about service to the world and the community. And it's amazing. But yes, for you, something that you want for yourself in your life, it is not selfish, but selfishly for you. <laughs> what is that wish? And what's blocking that wish from being achieved? I, um, well, if you're asking that question, one thing that I would like, and people who I'm know like me really well. I'm demanding that question. I, <laughs> tell me what you want. People that know me are going to laugh, but I would say a cat. I'm Aww. a big cat lover. I'm a huge cat lover. I grew up with five cats. Um, I'm a crazy cat lady. But since moving to LA, I haven't had a cat. I've been on the hunt for the perfect cat. So looking at different rescue places, just trying to find the perfect match. But it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, so that will be a, a personal wish of mine. What do you think is blocking that from coming true today? Like, is there something that's just not lining up with where you're looking or? I think it's a couple of different reasons. I would want to be at a place in my life where I can actually take care of a cat and be there for them. And pre-pandemic, my life was pretty busy with, with work, but also networking events, going out, things like that, or professional events. So it's just the timing just didn't quite work well. But I hope a cat is in the cards down the road. So if anyone listening has cat advice, (laughs) where can they reach out, Elizabeth, to support you and make your catdom come true? (laughs) Well, uh, thank you for that shout out. If anyone wants to reach out and connect, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can message me or Twitter as well. And can you spell your name for everybody and also your Twitter handle? Yeah, so it's Elizabeth with an S. Um, Elizabeth, and then last name is T-U-T-T-A-S-S. And my Twitter handle is M-S-T-U-T-T-A-S-S. And a quick speed round as we wrap things up. What is a book, business or personal that you recommend we read? Okay, I have a recommendation. So the recommendation uh, is, the book is called Startup of You. And it's by Reid Hoffman, who is my absolute favorite. He's the founder of LinkedIn. And in the book, he talks about how to approach your career and your life as a startup, how to be nimble and flexible and open to pivots. It's a really practical, but also quick and fun read. Um, So I would highly recommend that one. Last question is your favorite software, mobile app or website? What is your fave? I have a few resources to share. Number one, if you are a woman in tech, I would highly recommend this website called Alpha. It's E-L-P-H-A. It's a 
free online community for women in tech and um, female founders where you're able to share advice, give advice. Um, it's a very great online community that the team has built. Other websites that I love or sites that I love, I love Thing Testing, which is also a website where you can find out the newest startups and brands and Product Hunt as well. Product what Hunt was the second one? Thing website. Testing? Thing Testing. Mm hmm Think like T-H-I-N-K testing or thing, T-H-I-N-G? Thing, like T-H-I-N-G. Ah, thing testing. So we have thing testing alpha and we'll include them in the show notes as well. And Product Hunt is such a great discovery platform for all the newest new in the startup and tech world. Elizabeth, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. If you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I We'll see you, talk to you, all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Tutes. I'm the head of community at Grid 110, which is a startup accelerator and nonprofit in Los Angeles that supports early stage entrepreneurs. I'm also the managing director of Girls in Tech Los Angeles, which is a nonprofit focused on supporting women in technology and entrepreneurship based in Los Angeles, California. And today you're listening to the Women in Tech show. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.